But to the person who's truly born again of the Spirit, they can do it. And believers tonight, you're a Christian here tonight, the Lord says to you and to me, go and sin no more. We can obey that command by His grace, of course, by the Spirit that's now dwelling in our hearts, by the new life that He's given us. He hasn't said to us, go and do it on your own. No, we can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us. I remember the few days before I was saved and came to trust the Lord, these were the things I trembled about. If I become a Christian, I couldn't keep it. I can't change myself. And I was, I was right. I can't change myself. But the Lord can. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak, and this is Ian Golliher continuing the message of yesterday on John 5, Hope for Those in Despair. And of course, our Lord Jesus gives hope to those who trust in Him. We have our hymn today, Were You There When They Kneeled, My Lord, to the Cross? Were You There? Those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, were there. They believe that Jesus took our place he was nailed to the cross for our sins, and he bore our iniquities. Those who deny the Lord Jesus say that they were never there. Of course, not being united to the Lord Jesus, they're not represented by him and have no part in the death of the Lord Jesus. So it's a very searching question. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? We're coming to Romans chapter 1, verse 9, just for a quick question here. And let me read the verse firstly. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. What was the extent of Paul's personal concern for the church at Rome? Well, we learn here that he prayed for them without ceasing. That's a crude marker of a person's interest. If you love souls, if you love a people, you will be praying for them. And if you're burdened, you'll take that burden to the Lord and pray for them. He also prayed for opportunity to visit them. We're told that in verse 10. And it was all along the apostle's intention that he would visit the church, that it might be established. And of course, if our burden is with God's people and the cause of Christ, that they may be established, we'll want to visit. We want to be amongst them to strengthen their hand. He longed to visit them, to minister to them for their spiritual establishment. We read that in verse 11, that they may be established. Every Christian wants to see the gospel cause strengthened. They want to see God's people settled in the faith and a stand being taken for the Lord Jesus. And Paul certainly did not lack in his interest and concern. He would be consoled by fellowship with them through mutual faith, where iron sharpens iron. And when Paul would come, no doubt there would be many a discussion, many a, a debate, many an opportunity to question and to get to the bottom of things 
it would be a time of strengthening their faith. And, of course, that's what ministry is all about, that men and women may grow in knowledge, grow in assurance of faith, and in the doctrines of God's Word. He was deeply disappointed by hindrances keeping him from ministering to them in person. And time and time again, when Paul sought to get to Rome, uh, things cropped up, things kept him away. He was incarcerated, he was um, uh, shipwrecked at a time, and many delays that kept him from coming to Rome. And so this letter puts things right and lets the people know that uh, his heart was with them because he truly did want to visit them and was disappointed by not getting there sooner. He wanted to be a spiritual helper to the Romans just as much as to other Gentile believers to whom he ministered. Therefore, Paul was letting the Romans know that his interest in them was not any less than his interest in the other Gentile Christians. And, of course, that's always a very delicate thing for a pastor. Uh, People think, well, he's got a special group of people that he favors and wants to be in their company, wants to give them more time in ministry, but neglects us. The Apostle Paul was a man who would do the right. And by God's grace and God's means, he would be there to strengthen God's people wherever he could. Let's take the lesson to heart uh, that pastors are somewhat limited in uh, their abilities. They can't be in all places at all times, and uh, it is their burden uh, to preach the gospel to all men everywhere at every opportunity. There is a burden of heart to take on that ministry. Now, to whom was Paul a debtor? In verse 14, uh, Paul says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Now, Paul was uh, no less interested in the city of Rome nor the Roman people than any other class of people. The Romans may have been looked upon themselves as the elite, the most important. They certainly would not have called themselves barbarian or people of a strange language. Uh, Rather, they were the people at Rome, uh, at the center of power. And the Greeks, well, they were looked upon as the learned, and they considered those of other nations as barbarians, just as the Jews considered all other people as Gentiles. But Paul was an apostle to all. He did not limit himself to any one group. He knew the church was international, and he sought to encourage all nations to worship together. Uh, No racism here, no uh, party spirit here, but rather he is seeking to be strong in the Lord, ministering to men and women everywhere. Take this to heart and let our ministries reflect that of the apostle. And so I trust that you will uh, get to a church where you can be an influence and have a part in the ministry of Christ Jesus. May the Lord bless you today and give you grace as we worship the Lord together. Now we're turning to our hymn, Were You There When They Kneeled Him to the Cross?
And God now looks upon you as justified, just as if you had never sinned. And that's the miracle you need. You see, every other form of religion will tell you, well, salvation's a journey. It's a process. You've got to get out there and start, turn over a new leaf, do better, work at it. And what do people do? It's a system of despair. They may accomplish a few little things, and then they just fall flat back into the ways of sin again. No, you need a new heart. You need to be born of the Spirit. You need to be justified by the saving, mighty power of the Lord Jesus. Do you want me to give you a verse on that? I think there might be just a few people here tonight, and you want to know this. You want to be able to go home tonight and pray about this. Let's turn to Acts 13 and 39. Acts 13 and verse 39. Here is a clear Bible statement on what happens when you are justified. And by him all that believe are justified from all things. And here's the flip side of it from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, this morning I preached on the fifth commandment. I believe the Ten Commandments are the law of God from eternity and for all eternity. I believe that as long as this world exists, that God intends for men and women to keep the Ten Commandments. It's the will of God. I believe that sin is the transgression of the law. The Apostle John teaches that very clearly. What is sin? It is the transgression of the law. But the law can never undo a broken law. I have talked about often that the law is like a mirror. It can show you your filth and your uncleanness, but it can't wash it away. But the blood of Jesus can. And when you're justified by the blood of Jesus, it says here in Acts 13, 39, all that believe are justified from all things. So if you're despairing tonight and you're wondering, can I ever be a Christian? Can I ever be right with God? I think of all the sins that I've committed and all the rebellion I've exercised and the distance that I have caused between me and God and how far away I am tonight from God's mercy and God's salvation. Let me tell you tonight, if you will only believe, you will be saved, justified from all things, like this man, completely transformed by the power of the Lord. Now, another thing that is absolutely complete, and that is our adoption. When you are taken out of the orphanage of sin into the family of God, you are translated. That's how the Bible puts it in Colossians 1.13. Translated out of the kingdom of God's dear Son, uh, of, of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And it's just as radical as some adopting parents going to the orphanage, and they look around and they say, well, I'll, I'll take this boy, or I'll take this little girl. I'll make them my child. Sign up all the documents, and off they go. The adoption has taken place. That child is now got a new name, a member of that family with all the legal rights and inheritances and every blessing of that home before God and men. 
And when God adopts, he doesn't say, well, you're half the child of the devil and you're half mine. He doesn't adopt you partially. He doesn't say, well, I'll keep you at the weekends and I'll leave you at the orphanage the rest of the week. No, when God adopts us, we're translated out of that realm of, of Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Now, that's the kind of Christianity you need. That's the kind of adoption that you need to be a Christian, to enjoy life with God in your daily walk and for all eternity in heaven. Now, let me also come back to the new birth. The Bible says that you must be born again. Now, you're either born or you're not born. You can't be unborn and born at the same time. And the gospel tells us that ye are born again from above. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, you are given a new nature and a new heart. And the, and the thing is, it's not man's work. It's the work of God. Let's look at John 1. We're close to that here in John 5. So let's go back to John 1, verse 12. And you'll notice that it's not by human effort. And that's a good thing. If it was human effort, we'd all be back to works. But if it's God's work, then it's grace. John 1, 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, there's adoption for you. You believe, you become a son of God, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so here is the work of God in your heart, transforming and marvelously changing you. Now, let me ask you, have you received the miracle? Every Christian is a miracle. Every Christian is not the product of hard work, but rather is the product of the grace of God, regenerating, justifying, adopting, giving new life in the Lord Jesus. Has that happened to you? Do you desire that to happen to you? Do you say, I would yearn to be right with God and truly saved? Then tonight, come, believe. You, you read that in Acts 13, 39? To them that believe. And here in John 1, 12, as many as believe. So you need to come put your faith and trust in the Lord. Now we come to verses 8 and 9 here in this passage in John 5. And here's my third main heading. I'm not sure if you're trying to get headings down or not, but here is my third main heading. Whom Jesus cures walks in the power of a new life. Let's read verse 8 and 9. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, he was not left lying in those porches amongst the diseased people. The Lord commanded him to rise, take up his bed, and walk. Now, what's the gospel parallel to this? What, what, how are you living tonight? Where are you living at? What sins are you delving into? What 
corruption of heart is troubling you and destroying you, well, the Lord's going to save you from those sins. He is the one who can say, go and sin no more. Now, this new walk, where did he walk to? Notice it in verse 14, that when the Lord went looking for him, he found him in the temple, the place of worship, the place of communion with God. This man had a new walk, and those legs and feet that were given new strength and new power, he used them to walk to the house of God. That's what the gospel does. It gives you new fellowship, a new walk with God. Right to the temple he went. He was also told when the Lord caught up with him in the temple, he said to him in verse 14, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. Now, this is always the caliber of Jesus' converts. They go and sin no more. We read of a woman, John 8, taken in adultery, and the Lord said the same thing to her. Go and sin no more. Now, if you're saying to me, but yes, I want to be a Christian, and I want to go to heaven, but please don't tell me to go and sin no more. I love my sin too much. I want to have it both ways. I want to enjoy the, the gratification of sin for a season, but I also want to be saved and go to heaven. Let me tell you tonight, you've got a big choice to make. You have a really big decision to make. It's either one or the other. Your sin for a season, which is a little short lifetime, whatever time God gives you, or depart from that sin and obey the Lord. Go and sin no more. Now, the Lord doesn't say go and sin no more to an unconverted person because they couldn't do it. But to the person who's truly born again of the Spirit, they can do it. And believers tonight, you're a Christian here tonight, the Lord says to you and to me, go and sin no more. We can obey that command by His grace, of course, by the Spirit that's now dwelling in our hearts, by the new life that He's given us. He hasn't said to us, go and do it on your own. No, we can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us. I remember the few days before I was saved and came to trust the Lord, these were the things I trembled about. If I become a Christian, I couldn't keep it. I can't change myself. And I was, I was right. I can't change myself. But the Lord can. And when you have the Lord living in your heart, He changes us. And he gives us the power that we need to say no to sin. And he puts a hatred of sin within our hearts. The things that we once loved, we now hate because we have been born again from above. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, and we'll read of this work of grace in the believer's heart. 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. So, if you go and sin more, you know whose camp you're in. You know whose power you're following. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
Now, he did that on the cross. And as we plead the victory of the cross to our hearts and lives, that victory comes into us, into our real life. And it says in verse 9, here's the consequence, here's the outcome. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, a little bit of clarification required here. There are some people who believe in sinless perfection, and they teach from this text that the apostle meant that if you're a Christian, you'll never, ever, ever, ever sin again in this world. But if you read through the whole book and look at the tenses, it means you will not habitually sin. A Christian who has now transformed by grace, by the power of the gospel, will not habitually sin. The Christian may fall into sin and hate it. The Christian may be a fool and be tempted and overcome by sin, and like Peter, deny the Lord. But what tears it brings, what repentance it works, grace in the believer's heart gives him a yearning that he will not sin more. Go back to verse 3. Uh, 1 John 3, verse 3, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. Now, there's the mark of one who's born again, regenerated, translated into God's family, has the miracle of salvation. You are purifying yourself. That's your prayer. We'd love to see you in the prayer meeting and say, Lord, make me as holy as a saved sinner can ever be, this side of glory. That's how Christians pray. Lord, I want to be holy. I want you to change my heart more and more. I want you to give me the victory over sin. And when we don't get that victory, we go on our knees lamenting our own weaknesses and our failures, crying to the Lord for mercy. And so, no man changes himself. But the Lord changed this weak man with this muscle, muscular problem, and translated him. Now, one more thing about this man. If I go down to verse 15, you'll notice that he was not ashamed of who healed him. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. He was unashamed, not one bit backward about telling those hypocritical, uncaring, wretched Jews. Uh, they were so callous, so callous. They would rather have seen this man go on in misery than to be healed that day because they were losing control over them. And that's what false religion does. False religion is all about control over sinful people. But the gospel is about setting men free. And when this man testified of the Lord Jesus, it brought the wrath of the Jews. You'll see verse 16, Therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things. Well, the rouge was that he had done it on the Sabbath day. And they made that the, the little point at which they would criticize the Lord Jesus. But this man, he took up his bed. He walked. It was the Sabbath day. He got out of there. And he went to the temple. Who could criticize that? And when sinners are converted, 
They are unashamed. They want to give the Lord the glory, and they use every ounce of energy and strength to worship and magnify the Lord. There are many Christians, of course, when they're saved, testify and confess the Lord at great cost. And you might say tonight, but what, what, what people think of me if I told that I'm people I'm a Christian, if I told my friends and buddies I've now been converted, I'm changed, I'm not going back to the old ways, I'm going to walk a new way in fellowship with God. If I was to do that, I'd be laughed at. Let me tell you, there's been many people who have been more than laughed at. They've been hated and persecuted. And there may well be a cost for you to confess Christ, as in losing friends, as in bearing reproach. You might even lose money. I don't know. There may be a cost. But to be saved, to be right with God, to be justified, adopted, born again, those are blessings that can never be replaced or refunded. I hope tonight that you will take hope in the midst of despair. Take hope. And believer, Christian, you might say, well, the preacher was all about the gospel tonight. In my situation, I've got troubles and trials that drive me to despair. Can the Lord Jesus help you? Can the Lord who saved you, you've trusted him with your soul. Can you trust him with your daily walk? and troubles? Of course you can. And he will come and lift you out of despair into blessed hope by believing in the Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. 
for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word. Mm -hmm. 